0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's
1: Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors, and the fact that he has a lot to say means that I get to drink some of my coffee, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Terry.
2: How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I uh, I always try to, to break all I can, and uh, I don't waste a second of it. You know what I mean? I know <laughs> what you mean.
1: Um, hey, we had, I'm mean, sure we're going to cover it, but we have already had somebody asking about what wall what baits to be using for walleyes right now. You don't know anything about that,
2: do you? You know, Terry, it's one of those things that it's been open for boating. i just been slacking off. I haven't really been out, you know? You liar. <laughs> And you know, but one thing
1: we're going to mention this again when later updates next next hour. But Brad Peterson got a uh, information from uh, the folks at Cherry Creek that they have pulled the nets; they've caught
2: all the eggs. The spawn was successful, so there's no restrictions either. That's it, Terry. And honestly, it's kind of kind of twofold with that. Now they've uh, pulled the net. You know, as they they net so many of those males and females, it kind of, it, it does I mean, it's great. We're, we're in full support. We want that to happen. But now that they have stopped that, it kind of allows the walleyes to go in and out. And we're not really targeting spawning fish, but it really helps with those fish that kind of are staging out in front of the dam. Uh, it just kind of opens up the cycles for that, you know takes a little stress away so we really see an increase uh in the overall productivity of the catch rate once that operation is done it's kind of been like that for years and years so uh we have reports from pablo from uh, cherry creek from chatfield and, and the front range is definitely in full swing and you know this week we had some windy conditions but but fishing is outstanding so uh if everybody wants to listen we'll kind of walk you through the the bites and what's happening and Kind of across the board, we are seeing an activity level and a production level of pre-spawn, spawn, spawn, and post-spawn fish. With that said, I would say that Cherry Creek is probably at like a... 50%, 55% done, 100% post-spawn. We have a ton of fish spawning and a very small percentage in in a pre-spawn state. Um, So that's kind of that percentage there. Chatfield is well ahead of the game. I would say that we're probably at like a a 65% post-spawn, maybe even 70%. Fish that are done spawning uh, a lot of fish still spawning and very few still pre-spawning at chatfield uh pueblo has a little bit of everything kind of nature of the water it's a big body of water varying temperatures uh we have fish all over the place there are still pre-spawn fish at pueblo there's a lot of fish done at pueblo uh and there's obviously a lot of fish still spawning at pueblo so we're kind of seeing that that rate kind of across the board um with that being said I I am putting so much of my focus on post-spawn fish just because at all of our reservoirs, we have post-spawn fish, and any time that you can target a fish that is Actively fish, feeding, actively looking for food. I think that those those fish that are in that post spawn state are so much easier to catch. So I've been out almost every day, um, and, and we're seeing some great results on those post spawn fish. And we have a, a wide variety. Um, you know, if I, I'm breaking it down, kind of in a couple different conditions. So the nighttime bite, the so low light, so the last couple hours of light. All night and the first couple hours of kind of that twilight in the morning, uh, we're catching almost all our fish on crankbaits. Whether you're casting these baits or trolling these baits, stick baits, jerk baits. Um, all those long, slender minnow baits are just doing wonders, um, doing really well. We, we're having catch rates at Chatfield of 40, 50 fish and outing. Um, so a lot of results on good numbers and big fish. We're seeing fish, uh, you know, we, we've seen fish in the 30-inch range, honestly. So lots of fish in that, like 27, 28 uh, on the big side, but a handful brushing that 30. Um, so a lot of big fish, but that low-light period, Is suspended bait, minnow-style stick bait, um, and and that's the technique. And then once you start getting into daylight, you kind of have a couple of options. Um, We have a lot of fish that are sitting in the mud feeding on those midges and worms that we've been talking about. Um, So pulling really small, tail-wobbling bait in the mud in 15 to 25 feet is catching those fish. But, Terry, this week at, at Chatfield, I actually caught quite a few fish on jigs, which It's kind of abnormal for me. I rarely jig fish this time of year just because the trolling bite is so hot. Uh, but we took time, especially in some windy conditions. We spot locked the boat. Uh, we were throwing jigs, kind of on the edge of mud flats in eight, ten, twelve feet of water, um, and we had a lot of results on on throwing paddle tails, throwing little reaction bait. So, a lot of opportunity out there.
1: Now, I know that they'll they'll catch up, but do you have any theory on why Chatfield would be ahead of Cherry Creek right now, especially when typically the water is colder at Chatfield?
2: It is there. You know, we we saw fish running up that river in late February, early March, and I think we've seen earlier fish at Chatfield, and this t- tapers back eight, ten years. We had an extremely early ice off in January several years ago. Then the lake actually refroze again, but it seems like ever since then we've had fish going earlier and earlier at Chatfield, um, and, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I think uh, CPW is not putting a lot of focus on their nets there is because the fish are kind of, I don't want to say out of whack, but you're having fish spawning earlier. You're having major waves of of females. Then, you know, two days later, major waves of males. So the fish are just kind of all over the place at Chatfield. But uh, regardless, they definitely, i I, I mean, I fished it a week ago. Uh, I had 42 fish day, and 41 of those fish were, were post spawn. like I said. Um, even when we're starting to look, go look at those spawning fish, there's fewer and fewer of them. So a lot of fish are just wrapping up early. The um, only thing I can contribute to is, again, that, that earlier ice off years ago. That's the first time we really started seeing the fish going earlier and earlier. But ever since then, uh, yeah, we definitely have early fish at Chatfield. Now, the water is quite low
1: at Cherry Creek, and I've heard various reasons why. Have you heard if that water is
2: they're going to be able to bring that water back up? They're, they're definitely trying to, Terry. I mean, I think that one of the things that we have to say, it's the same at Spinney. It's the same at Williams Fork. You know, all our bodies of water are are either flood control or water storage. You know, uh, very few of our, our fisheries are built to be an actual fishery. You know what I mean? So uh, it's one of those situations that... Obviously, we have a lot of snowpack in the high country, so a lot of these reservoirs have released water to fill up water downstream. You know, fill up reservoirs down the down the system, um, just so when runoff hits, we we have room to store more. So it all comes down to a water capacity game. Um, and so many times, it's not up to the state parks. It's not up to, to any of the fishery style of conservation. It is strictly due to a water management system. Uh, and I know that they're pulling a lot of water out of all of our reservoirs to fill up downstream in anticipation uh, to capture as much water when it starts flowing with runoff uh, in the coming month, you know, six weeks. Um, so that's the biggest thing, I think. Um, right now, we're lucky because the fish Like Cherry Creek um, are down in the basin. So they are up on the spawning rocks. They're in the basin on the the midges. Um, It has not affected the shad. So the low water hasn't really affected anything. Um, You know, the island's out of the water. The the southern area of the reservoir is pretty low. But it's not a situation to where... The fish utilize that area this time of year. So we haven't really lost anything that the bait fish need, anything that the walleyes need. Um, you know, when it comes into that May, June time period, we really need that for that shallow water presentations and where those fish are at and for the large mouth to spawn. But right now we're not really losing anything. So so it's not that big of a deal. Um, I think by the time that our fish meet that shallow water, that water will be back up. Um, so, so right now, you know, obviously boaters use extreme caution on that that southern portion of the lake uh especially from lake loop point to the east boat dock that's the area you really got to be cautious of uh the marina the shallow island kind of uh in front of the marina or the slips that's exposed so you can see it uh but obviously that structure runs a long ways out to the south um so be cautious around there um and i know a lot of anglers are out there for the opening day of boating at cherry creek um, I've heard uh of a lot of fish being caught but in general I would say a lot of people are saying it's slower than they thought. Um, with that being said the water's still cold um, you know we're we're still seeing a lot of those fish in spawn. Um, I think everybody gets excited for opening day and at the end of the day I think that cherry creek midge the core bite it's really around April 5th to 10th that we really see that take off every year. That's when you start to see more of that 60, 70% fish spawned out. Uh, You see that water bump up just a hair to the mid 40s. That's when we can start seeing some of those midges hatch, and that's really when that bite fires up extremely hard. So uh, catching fish out there, uh, but I wouldn't say it's hot and heavy, but that could change with one really nice day, activate some of that bug life, really get the system kind of started for the season, uh, and that's when that bite will take off. But Chatfield, day and night right now, uh, it's going extremely strong
1: well and one thing up and down the front range uh, spring fishing can produce some of the best catches and certainly some of the biggest fish but anybody who's fishing in the spring uh, you're more susceptible to the weather changes and some of the other cycles that go on so fishing can be fantastic one hour and then a couple hours later can be quite different this is the time of the year when you have to have some patience when that bite
2: slows down I I agree 100%, Terry, and more so, you have to go out kind of anticipating to build a plan every time you go out. I think a lot of anglers will go out one day and return three, four days later, and they expect the same results when in these type conditions, you know, especially around spawn, around moving water temperature, around wind, warm. uh, Everything changes pretty quick, so you have to be on your toes. And I saw that this week at Chapel. I saw my fish in one portion of the lake that were extremely hot. One morning I literally went out the next day, uh, and those fish had had moved on. You know, water temperature cooled off, um, and I had to move, you know, totally different spots the lake, changed colors, uh, and got right back on the fish. But every time you get on the water, I think it's a good place to start where you last caught them, but don't uh, don't stick to it. Don't be married to it. Uh, assume that these fish are going to be moving around quite a bit, um, and I definitely wouldn't hold on fish. If you're not catching them, you're not seeing them move on until you find those fish, because again, a lot of things change this time of year. Another
1: thing I want to run by you, I know that a lot of people don't have boats, yet they still want to walleye fish. Now, The best solution, of course, is to hire a guide. I don't know if you know a good one or not, but but, they don't book a trip with Tightline and you know, you get out there. But a lot of them just want to get out and fish. This is a great time from shore. You got any tips or how's it going with your walleye activity from shore?
2: It's going great, Carrie, and like where I found those fish on the mudflats, uh, this week, uh, with jigs, that was uh, accessible from shore. Uh, basically the whole west shore has fish, uh, that were bumping up kind of on that new flooded area. So Jackville water level is up, so, you know, it's not like a, a really high stage, but there's a lot of water, uh, just getting up into the bushes, just getting up in the trees where kind of that that old shoreline that had vegetation all of that water is like five feet deep four feet deep so there's a lot of shoreline access on the west side uh for daytime jigging but if you really want to have the best results from shore you're going to try to fish those those dusk hours so you know, if you got out there and started fishing at 5 a.m. and you fish till 8 a.m., if you got out there at 6 p.m. and fish till 8, 9 p.m., those are the times where the shoreline anglers are really going to excel. Um, any of the points that have been exposed to the wind, so you know the the handicap pier, uh, either the marina point. Um, any of those type areas have had wind been blowing across them. Uh, it's been delivering food and walleyes to those points. Uh, you can go out there and throw jerk baits, throw stick baits, uh, and have a lot of success. It seems like, you know, rogues have been very good. Husky jerks have been really good. Uh, the Berkeley hit sticks have been hitting pretty good. Um, all of those style stick baits, long cast off those points, very slow, boring retrieves, um, and it's catching a lot of fish.
1: All right. Last thing. And other than the walleyes, which we know everybody just goes crazy about this time of the year, but there's other things going on. You seeing
2: any other bites you want to tell people about anything else you should be aware of? I tell you, this week, uh, you know, I had a lot of interruptions, uh, especially daytime fishing. So I was pulling planer boards and stick baits um, in shallow water for walleye midday, high noon. Uh, and I tell you, I've had a lot of interruptions on that tactic by the trout. Uh, we had rainbows up to 18, 19 inches this week, a lot of that mid-range 14 to 16-inch fish, and then a lot of that soccer size at 12 inches. But we're catching a lot of trout on those mud flats while walleye fishing, so I think think you could definitely go out focus on inlet uh, on the front range and catch a, a lot of opportunity of some great trout uh, and then with that said you know uh, josh was up at 11 mile all week pike fishing uh he had good ice and he had a lot of active rainbows in shallow water kind of in that spawn mode. He had a lot of pike in pre-spawn and spawning stages, so a lot of activity still on the ice for the anglers that want to do that. I know it's hard when we have a nice weekend uh, on the front range for walleye, but we still have great predators on the ice, uh, but then on the front range, yeah, walleye, we're starting to see bass starting to come up a little bit shallow. Uh, Matt insley has been catching a lot of bass. The trout are shallow, so I think everything on the front range is definitely starting. Uh, my suggestion to everybody would be move around and move around often until you find and the fish that you're looking for. I think that's the biggest key. Don't don't sit on a spot and expect them to come to you. Move around, find the fish, and then you can have a great day on the water. And if
1: people want to get a hold of you, either for just information or book
2: a trip, how do they do that, my friend? Absolutely. We're doing updates on our Facebook page every couple of days. So tightline outdoors on Facebook. Uh, and then yes, we definitely, you know, we've had uh, a lot of corporate trips this week. We've had some changes, you know, with the weather. Uh, so we definitely have openings, you know, one or two spots here and there. So if you want to guide, you want to see it firsthand, that lead core by daytime trolling, nighttime trolling, uh, definitely book a trip, tightlandoutdoors.com. Or you can get a hold of us on Facebook, and we'll definitely get you on the water and teach you the ropes. All right, we will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Thank you.
1: You bet, Nate Zielinski. Always a great resource. Speaking of great resources, coming up after this break, uh, Brad Peterson will join us, and we're going to continue to talk fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, broadcasting live from the Great American RV Show at the Colorado Convention Center on 104.3 The Fan. We're listening to well, Terry Wilson, on, on 104.3 The Fan. We are broadcasting live from the Colorado Convention right. Center, where we are—we uh, have the most RVs ever under one roof in the history of Colorado. Here. This is the last day of the RV show. It goes till six o'clock today. Uh, you need, if you're considering the RV lifestyle at all, you need to get down here. There's seminars going on all day long. There's super, super deals. Almost every ma- every dealer. There's 20 dealers here, and almost everyone has a huge super deal on something. That's only available at the show. So come on down. I'll be broadcasting till 11. I'll hang out for a while. Come on down and say hi. We'd love to see you. Right now, let's go to the phones. And joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, we had one of the coldest, top 14 or 15 coldest winters in Colorado history. We've had a lot of days with snow on the ground. You and I are both avid ice anglers. I have put the ice fishing gear away. I am so ready for open water.
3: I am in the exact same boat as you. Um, probably about two, three weeks ago, the ice stuff got put away. The long rods came out. I've been going around to the ponds before the boat ramps open, And then now, as you've been talking about today, you know, a lot of the boat ramps have opened just in the last week to 10 days. So it's time to... Uh, look at getting the boat out as well. Kind of tell us what you know about boat ramp
1: openings. To, we'll piggyback. every You won't believe this, Brad, but there's people who don't listen to the whole show.
3: <laughs> I, I don't know what they're doing if they aren't listening to the
1: whole show. I know. But, but the, Why don't you update yeah, for, us on what you know about boat ramps?
3: So the boat ramps up on the northern portion of Colorado, Boyd has been open for about a week. And then today, uh Carter... On the North Pines ramp opens, Horsetooth in South Bay opens, and Jackson will open. Uh, Pruitt is also open, but if you go out further east, North Sterling and Jumbo still have ice out on them. Not, not fishable ice, but ice that's keeping the boat ramps from opening. So North Sterling is not certain when they're going to be opening Jumbo is hoping for April 15th.
1: All right. And along with that, we're hearing some pretty good fishing reports. And also, I know you keep in touch with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. It sounds like they had a very successful walleye spawn.
3: Yes, they did. Uh, it was, they completed it about uh, two days ago, and they were able to get 114.8 million eggs between Pueblo and Cherry Creek, which that's going to be enough to stock all the lakes in Colorado and also used to trade for other stuff like uh, wipers and sauger milk to make saw guys and some stuff like that. With that being done, as, as you told Nate, the dam closure has been lifted at Cherry Creek. So people who want to fish from shore or boats don't have to worry about that closure period that the state puts on when they're spawning just for, to avoid any, uh, uh you know, conflict between the anglers in the netting operation. Now,
1: I, I, do you think the walleye, the northern part of the state here, especially Horsetooth and Carter, the walleye tend to take off a little later than in the than in the southern part of the front range. In fact, Horsetooth, I believe, has closing of the uh, inlet area until April fifteenth. But are you are you hearing any potential? Uh, people are just getting out. Well, Have you been out and checked any of the waters? What do you think they can expect now that the ramps are open
3: here? Well, it's going to be a little bit different this year um, on a few of the lakes, particularly Boyd because Boyd is so low, whereas normally Boyd kind of runs a little bit behind Cherry Creek and Chatfield down there. I would say it actually is running about the same, maybe even a touch earlier so we're seeing the tail end of the walleye spawn going there. But um, what's also happening at Boyd is there is a really good bass bite going on. Uh, the largemouth have moved up into the shallows. And as you say with the walleye spawn, if you're still wanting to get out and fish some of those pre-spawn fish, tooth is going to be the next one. And usually that kind of the spawn peaks there right about now. Um, you know, kind of that first week of April. And then Carter usually isn't until, Oh, that almost second to third week of April. So you still have some time, especially for shore anglers. If they want to go out and try to get into some of those walleyes, there are some opportunities there. Both those bodies of water, Jackson, the inlet's been going on and off. So I'm not quite sure where that's going to be. Usually if the inlet's running, the fish get concentrated in the inlet, and if it's not, this early time of year, they're really spread out on that body of water. In the other body of water, that uh, the spawn's pretty much over, but the bite is, is really starting to pick up, is Union there in Longmont. Now, that's a lake a lot of people don't know about. In fact, it's a lake you'll
1: be guiding on this year. Is that right?
3: Yes, I, I've got a permit to guide on Union. Uh, I'll be doing trips during the weekdays. And uh, Union is kind of one of those little uh, quiet gems. It's, uh, it's run by the Longmont uh, Parks and Rec. It's a no-wake lake boat, or, or no-wake lake, so that there isn't a lot of big boat traffic going on. And it's got some good numbers of walleyes, and it may be the best wiper fishery in the northern front range right now. It's, it's got wipers up into those mid-20-inch range. So it can be a lot of fun to get out there and fish. And I believe there's some panfish and trout in there, too. Yep, it gets stocked with trout, and it's got some good, you know, bluegill crappie and perch. The, the lake fishes um, almost a little bit more like a Midwest lake in that there are some weed beds in there. So as those weed beds come up, you can really kind of work that edge to get on to a real mixed bag where there may be some walleye, some largemouth bass, some panfish in there. And then if you're wanting to go catch the wipers, you move out a little deeper and uh, kind of figure out what level they're suspended in and, and chase them that way. Now, speaking of trout... I know you've
1: been checking a lot of the waters up and down the front range, and this is a time of the year when the water's still cold and the holdover trout that are left come close to shore, thinking they're going to spawn, although they can't do it successfully. And Parks and Wildlife is putting a lot of stock trout in a lot of these bodies of water because of that cold water. And this is a great time for shore anglers to really have a great time trout fishing.
3: It is. Parks and Wildlife... The last three weeks has really been targeting those smaller ponds along the front range. So um, lakes like uh, Hine down in Denver and Arvada, you get further north in the Poudre Ponds, um, Bittersweet Lake and Greeley, uh, those all are starting to get some trout put in them. And they're going to be active, you know, until the middle to late May when they get a little bit too warm. And then TPW has also started hitting a few of the bigger lakes. Uh, I just saw that uh, Boyd got stocked here this past week. So if you're wanting to look for opportunities to get out, get into some trout, um, take a look at the the Colorado Parks and Wildlife stocking page, and it's going to give you a lot of information on, on where some of these smaller lakes are and ponds that are getting stocked. They're nice, easy access. A lot of them are kind of park type situations which make them really conducive for taking kids out and maybe anglers new to fishing there's not a lot of trees that you have to worry about you know them getting hooked on while casting and and these fish are getting out there trout are really active in this water temperature so the bite's going to be good and you're going to have good action you know and You don't need a
1: lot of high-end gear to make this happen. Just a a good medium action or even light action, spinning rod, a few hooks and sinkers about all you need. But what are a couple of your favorite ways to go after them?
3: Yeah, I I like to get a a second rod stamp. And so what I'll do is I'll do one that's kind of either a bottom presentation or a float with some sort of bait, um, something like that. It's kind of going to be my, my stationary uh, rod there. And then I like to fish with either a little small little jig and like a twister tail or a spinner or a spoon or, or even a small countdown rappel of minnow and cast out and retrieve those as kind of more of a horizontal and, and cover water presentation because these fish are aggressive and they're willing to chase. The one tip I would give parents – if you're going to do that and your kids want to cast, stick with a jig and twister, or something that just has a single hook on it um, or, or even like a, a small little beetle spin type setup okay. because those treble hooks are bound and determined to get hooked in, into something, whether it's, you know, grass around the area, someone's clothes. You just avoid a lot of headaches if you stick with a single hook. And if
1: you bend the barb down on the hook, it's easier to get it out of the fisherman, too. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, Brad, we got to run. If people want more information, how would they get a hold of
3: you? You can give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998, or you can look me up on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon. All right, thanks,
1: Gary. You bet. We're going to take a short time out here. We're broadcasting live from the Great American RV Show. I'll be broadcasting till 11, and then I'll hang around for a while, come on down and say hi. But even if you don't come to see me, this is the most RVs under one roof in the history of Colorado. They're at the convention center. They're open till 6. If you're interested in RVs at all, you need to get down here. After this time out, we're going to talk to JR from Colorado Clays and talk about that shot. It's your nemesis on terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan we are broadcasting live from the great american rv show for more information go to greatamericanrv.show let's go to the phones and joining us from colorado clays jr pierce good morning jr hey good morning terry you know Michelle was kind of bragging about the big fish you caught at bar you catch at Bar Lake. I I tried to tell her it was all a hoax, but she wouldn't believe me.
4: Yeah, I know how to photoshop. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> hey, seriously, my friend, you do a great job there. We'll have to get out there together one time. It's a great lake and you and I've had some good fishing trips together, but I want to change the, the the topics today. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about turkey patterning, but you and I talked on the phone today. Uh, yet yeah, not today, but this week and we talked about that one shot that seems to be the nemesis. Everybody has one. I told you mine was shooting clays, was that silly rabbit that runs along the ground. That I, it's, it's my nemesis without question. But everybody seems to have a shot, whether it's a crossing, a going away, uh, whether it's with your handgun, your rifle, your shotgun, uh, a different point of aim. There's always some shot that seems to plague people, isn't there?
4: Yeah, Terry. And you know, there's a lot to say about that. Uh, Terry, I will say a picture says a thousand words. And when I picture you missing that rabbit, I don't think we can use any of those words on the show today. (laughs) Um, My personal nemesis was an overhead falling target. That's coming right down in front of me, so I know the frustration. I did figure it out, um, and we can talk about that later. But, you know, Terry, I know that you used to be a very good shot with a shotgun, and I myself wasn't bad in the day either, but even when you're at the top of your game, there are always shots or target presentations that will give you trouble more than the rest, and oftentimes those... Struggles can be attributed to one or maybe a variety of factors such as improper or changed mechanics in your shot taking process due to pos- possibly body positioning or angles of the gun or the target. Uh, oftentimes that will affect your sight picture and your follow through. Um, sometimes recognizing the correct break point for that target based on the conditions, your individual limitations, such as reflexes, as old men know about them, Uh, maybe your firearm choke or ammo selection, and the patterning characteristics, which can determine not only the pellet's on target or not on target at a given range, and that can happen even if your shot was uh, on target incorrect. So that can be a variable as well. Uh, and then, Terry, often it's just a matter of having the opportunity to practice the shot until you figure it out or have someone help you out with why that shot gives you trouble, whether it's an instructor or your buddy. And, Terry, that's really where Colorado Clays is the best tool available to any hunter, competitive shooter, or recreational enthusiast. Our 15-station sporting clays course offers... 30 different target presentations every day to anyone on a, you know, of course, public access basis. And Terry, we pride ourselves on the fact that we change our course several times a month to allow anyone the opportunity to improve their skills and figure out that nemesis shot before it costs you another miss. Well, I think
1: you're absolutely right. Having somebody there, especially, like, coming to Colorado Clays and getting one of your your training staff or professionals to watch or bringing out a friend who's a pretty good shooter and concentrating. the thing about Colorado Clays is whatever you're doing out there, you can work on that one shot, whether it's sporting clays, you can go on work that one shot as many times as you want if it's if it's skeet or trap you can do the same things and rifle and pistol too you know a lot of times what i find with uh, big game hunters and rifle and this holds true of turkey hunters with a shotgun is you change your position and your point of aim changes so much and also the the drop rate because of the angle your gun is aimed of your of your projectiles changes, and people just don 't always take that into consideration,
4: yeah, Terry, and I will say this, um, no matter who you are, everybody will miss shots. I know this from 23 years of doing this. The hardest part of shooting isn't the fact that we miss. It's knowing where you missed and why you missed and being able to correct it. Because if you do not know those two things, it's kind of hard to correct a shot. This becomes a Hail Mary. And that is where all of the steps that we've been preaching here... Um, whether it's patterning, whether it is you know getting lessons instruction i'll say my nemesis shot, I told you the overhead falling target I uh, had my brother out here It was giving me trouble. He was able to look over my shoulder and identify that as I was going down, I wasn't allowing my body to follow through with the shot. I was therefore stopping the gun, and uh, that was a hard target to spot shoot uh, after just a couple of uh, Uh, Times of correcting my incorrect form and my mechanics, I was on it and I was able to move on. So that's the beauty of having this available and coming out here and working on those shots. Uh, It can really pay big dividends in the field, at the competition, or just out shooting with your buddies.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I had a handgun. that, And I usually shoot handguns pretty well, yet. I joke about it on the air all the time because Karen shoots so darn well. I almost said a bad word, but... um, (laughs) but I shoot I feel pretty confident in my handgun abilities and I had one handgun that I was shooting low and left on all the time well that's typical of pulling off because of recoil or squeezing the gun there's a few things and because I shoot handguns pretty well I really was having trouble understanding why I was doing that all the time so I had somebody else shoot the gun and they didn't shoot low but they shot to the left till so we determined the sight picture on that gun was actually off and then I corrected that and the low part was me just not knowing where to line up the bead for that particular type of shot and I was able to correct that. But sometimes you just have to work on things like that.
4: Absolutely Terry and I mean you know we appeal to everyone whether it's a new shooter, first time, um, you know, getting people out to try but I'm telling you really Um, These waterfowl hunters, a lot of these guys are kind of like, you know, we maybe used to be. We hunted hard from the fall through the spring, and then we turned to fishing and just kind of forgot about it. But there was always that shot. And sometimes you don't get to practice a shot in the field over and over to figure it out. And it's really simple to just keep your game up and work on those shots throughout the year by coming out to the range. And I can't stress enough the importance of that, and especially if it matters to you. I mean, um, everybody hates missing a shot they thought they should make, and uh, everything you need is right here to correct it.
1: Another thing I want to talk to you about while we have time, and that's turkey season is still right around the corner. Are you getting people coming out to pattern their guns? I mean, we can't
4: emphasize how important patterning that turkey gun is. Well, again, Terry, yes, we have been... Uh, doing several guns and like we've been preaching the importance of patterning your shotgun here a lot lately and since the last show I, we've patterned a bunch of guns lots of them turkey hunters and most all of them terry are usually a good quick confirmation of point of aim point of impact and maximum effective range with maybe an adjustment here and there uh, we did have a couple more examples of why it can be so important and i'll give you one of these real quick uh, gentleman shows up with an older shotgun he went ahead and purchased a good aftermarket turkey tube and some good turkey ammo so I did turn him loose on the pattern board he had some of his own 12 inch targets to place up there at some point he's wagging or wa- waving me across the parking lot I go over there and at 30 yards he has yet to have a pellet hit his target um, went over there we cut the range in half and determined for whatever reason bent barrel or something with his mechanics he was shooting a full pattern below his aim point we took he didn't want to buy a new gun right now Uh, The gun was old enough, it wasn't adjustable, so we actually took some foam and electrical tape, raised the comb on the gun to where he was at zero at 30 yards, uh, confirmed 20 and 40, and that turkey gun, rather than shooting at the feet of the bird, will be right on track if he gets a shot. So uh, another success story on the Colorado Clay's pattern board. Can't stress enough how important it is to do that confirmation.
1: Well, it really is, and not just for turkey hunting. And, and if you're hunting upland game or waterfall, you know, no matter what you do right, if your gun isn't shooting where you're pointing it, it's not going to help. And, and the fit of the gun can affect that so much, too. You know, when you're shooting and you change positions, you change your, your point of aim.
4: Well, absolutely, Terry. And gun fit—that's basically what we did to that gun. Uh, we did it, um, you know, a little bit generically. But most of the modern guns do have comb adjustments, length of pull adjustments, cast, and um, that can all be made, which all will help um, put your point of aim, point of impact where you need it to be. It's really hard for the the brain computer to do math when you don't have any of the factors as a given and that's what i tell people you've got to give yourself something you can count on then everything just becomes math after that
1: couple minutes left how are your leagues going and there's a great way to work on your shots
4: yeah leagues are going great terry they're in full swing um i encourage anybody who's interested in maybe joining the summer league to come out on a wednesday night and look around and uh see how fun and and what is available as a league shooter uh, Colorado Clays welcomes everybody to join, either as individuals or as teams. All of our shooting geared towards the midweek break in the action for fun, shooting against people with your skill levels, and you can just go anywhere. I will say last year's uh, state sporting Clays champ attributed uh, his success largely to the Wednesday Night League at Colorado Clays here, so we're real proud of that as well, Terry.
1: All right, last thing before I let you go, and that's the – you got an event coming up that'll be just right around the corner. Bar Lake open for boating, and that's your casting clays. Tell us about that. Yep, casting
4: clays combination fishing shooting event uh, Sunday, June fourth. Two person teams only costs a hundred bucks. Get you your fishing, your lunch, and your shooting plus prizes from uh, Transwest GMC, Bass Pro Shops. Uh, lunch sponsored by Ramos Law. A great day. Give us a call. We still have several positions uh, or at least slots available, and uh, we'd be glad to sign you up. We can give you details when you call.
1: And how do they get a hold of
4: you? 303 659 7117, or you can go to the website, coloradoquays.com, check us out, and, but by all means, get in touch with us.
1: All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon, and we need to get on the water soon.
4: Agree, Terry. Bar's open. Let's do it.
1: All right, my friend, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Right, bye. JR from Colorado Clays. Always great people. Great. Th- We're going to wrap things up here in just a bit. We're going to take a time out. We come back. But I am broadcasting live right now from the Great American RV show. I'll tell you more about that when I come back from this break. But if you're not, if you're into RVs or have any interest, you need to be at this show. Largest gathering of RVs in Colorado history. We'll take a timeout. We come back. We'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. sounds like a tom petty song i think it was part of the traveling wilburys interesting story from my music background when those guys harrison and dylan and petty named the wilburys they named it because when they'd make a mistake they said we'll bury it in the mix they never corrected them and i used to use a phrase like that when karen and i were filming i'd say we'll TV. I'd say, well, we'll correct it in post, which means Karen had to take something stupid I did on TV camera and make it look nice. And it was not easy for her, I'll tell you right now. Anyway, we're going to wrap up this edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We are broadcasting live. Uh, we're just ending the broadcast. But the RV show is going to continue. We're down at the Great American RV Show at the Colorado Convention Center. Uh, there are more RVs under one roof than at any time in the history of Colorado. There's 20 dealers with hundreds of different models here. And there are incredible show only deals. There's seminars. There is so much going on here. It goes till 6 o'clock. So get down here. You're going to want to spend a lot of time here. There's just so much to see. Uh, when I quit broadcasting i 'm going to wander around a little bit if you see me, come up and say hi. I always love to meet the people who listen to the show and be looking forward to that uh, and then just remember the the boat ramps are opening, the fishing is taking off the weather 's going to get warmer. Get out there, but be careful in the cold water. make sure your boat is ready to go before you head out. And the walleye fishing right now is on fire in a few of the Front Range lakes. Uh, If you missed some of the things we said about it earlier, go back to our podcasts. I'll be putting some of those podcasts on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You need to follow us on Facebook. We highlight some of our best interviews. We tell you what's coming up. And we give you reports from the field. Now... Is Mr. Dan Jacobs available in the studio?
0: Yeah, when you said you're going to be wandering around the RV show, I thought what you were going to say was, if you see me, just tell Karen, find Karen, she can get me back to safety. You know, that's oh, that's yeah, right? uh-huh. Yeah, by the way, I'm a little upset. You just blew me off last
1: week while I was all ready to talk to you.
0: Well, I was working, Terry. I, there's a lot of show prep that goes into the old Dan Jacobs show, as you're aware. Sure, sure doesn't sound like it. Oh, never mind. Hey!
1: <laughs> hey, I do have a couple questions for you, though. Go ahead. All right, one uh I think I heard that the new coach Peyton doesn't plan on having a an April mini camp. How do you feel about that?
0: I don't like it I, I that was part of the problem under the previous regimes is that they had field days and they didn't take all the time they had to and they just everything was too soft um and I think that's another thing we don't talk about enough is maybe the reason that injuries are going through the roof and that football you know is is teetering towards the unwatchable uh, because the stars are out all the time uh, with catastrophic injuries is because the, the the schedule is too soft. The players go about their training too soft. Teams and coaches go about their preparations too soft. So I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, he, he does indicate that
1: practices aren't going to be soft, and maybe he feels they're not ready putting the team together or – or he doesn't have what he wants to do or he can't accomplish in this early mini camp. So we'll see how that plays out. The other thing before I leave: this is the first time in history that no one, two, or three seed has ever not been in the final four. Um, so I don't. There's not many brackets left that have many many teams left. How are you sitting?
0: Well, as far as the fan contest goes, outside of Derek Wolf that made zero picks, I'm in dead last. So that should give you some indication. However, you know, you and I have long been huge Miami Hurricanes fans, so I know we'll both be enjoying the Miami Hurricanes tonight. Well, so just go ahead and say go Canes, Terry. I just can't do that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll
1: save it for my alma mater if they ever get there, and I won't even mention that right now. But, my friend, I'm sure you've got lots of sports coming up. I'll let you get back, get ready with all the prep work you need to do, and I'll close this up.
0: Remember, Terry, there is no such thing as safe ice.
1: All right. Thank you, my friend. This wraps up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Thanks, Dante, for keeping us on the air. Brian, for keeping me going. Karen, for putting this show together. And you folks for listening. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11. come on down to the Great American RV Show. For more information, greatamericanrv.show. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports on 104.3 The Fan.